0: in this just, character?
1: Probably Rudolph. Why? Because he's cute. And he's
0: determined.
1: Yeah. He has a purpose. And yeah. And he's like, I just want to be a big reindeer like everybody else.
0: Yeah, and everyone treats him like shit, but he shows them. He
1: perseveres.
0: And he doesn't hold it against them. He's like, yeah, I know you guys were dicks, but I'm still going to help you out.
1: Yeah. What's yours? Little Santa. Oh.
0: He's all about the distribution of wealth. Mm-hmm. He has been co-opted by capitalists, but he's still fighting fighting the good fight and giving people what they deserve based on merit, not on money.
1: Oh, that's nice. Yeah,
0: Santa, big red, big communist figure. Big red. <laughs> he's just... Uh, he looks a lot like Karl Marx, too.
1: Does he? Yeah, Santa and Karl Marx? I've never seen a picture of Karl Marx. What?
0: I Go, go over to our bookshelf. <laughs> oh, you don't actually go right now. We're in a podcast. Oh, okay. But afterwards... That's my homework. Afterwards I have some uh, I have some literature for you. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, welcome everyone to a very special holiday episode of I Love This, You Should Too.
1: Happy Holidays.
0: I am your host, Indy Santa Zakami Randawa. And with me, as always, is the lovely and festive Samantha jingle jingle he's
1: oh i like that are you feeling
0: very festive
1: i am i'm wearing my christmas wednesday i'm drinking a beer from our advent calendar i get to have christmas lunch tomorrow so i'm very excited
0: oh good and if any of you are not feeling very festive this year i can understand that it's a it's a weird one
1: it's a weird one
0: have you considered that perhaps you've only jingled part of the
1: way can you go full jingle
0: yeah, jingle all the way.
1: Jingle all the way. Jingle all the well, way. I get what you're doing. Yeah. I didn't get that Some at first. people,
0: they just jingle like half of the way. They're
1: just like, jing. Yeah. And that's it. You can't do that. You got to no, jingle all you the way. got to be like, jingle, jingle, jingle. That's it. That's why I'm so full of Christmas spirit is because I jingle all the way every day. You
0: jungled. Is that past tense
1: of jingle? I jungled. Indy, <laughs> are you having a good holiday season so far?
0: Like many months ago when uh, quarantine was, uh, was hitting me pretty hard... I came up with a really good way to uh, to beat those quarantine blues, and that was just pretending everything's fine. Oh, yeah. So today I've been trying to do that because, yeah, sure, I got laid off. My job may not exist anymore, and I probably can't see my family at Christmas, but you know what? I'm just pretending it's fine.
1: <laughs> I like your determination. I'm just going to
0: jingle all the way, you know? You're
1: just going to jingle all the way every day. Yeah. And you're living. That sounds
0: like the uh, euphemism for some sort of drug.
1: It does. Yeah. It does. Jingle all the way. And I gotta jingle so bad. Yeah. I need it. I need my jingle fix. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not naturally jingly like me, you can take Indy's approach
0: pretend everything's fine just
1: pretend everything's fine and be as jingly as you choose
0: find your jingle
1: it's uh, it's also important to say that you can have no jingle if that's your choice
0: maybe that's what your jingle is maybe your jingle is just being quiet and uh, embracing solitude that's exactly. cool maybe it's uh you know playing with children mm-hmm. maybe it is alcoholism
1: it's been a hard year yeah maybe you just don't have it in you to jingle And we will jingle for you. So there you go.
0: Well, man. (laughs) Well, uh, this is a podcast where we take turns introducing the other to a movie they had not seen, probably something they would never watch on their own. And I had the privilege of introducing Samantha to a movie called Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale.
1: We watched it.
0: This is a Finnish movie from 2010 that I had seen probably when it came out. I was a big fan, hadn't seen it in many years. Samantha, on your first viewing, I think I love this movie. Do you?
1: I give it a 7 out of 10.
0: I will take that. I consider this like an 8 out of 10. So,
1: okay, that's pretty okay. good. Okay, yeah. Um, I liked it. I don't think I can say I loved it because, um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of subtitled movies. Um, but I liked the premise, I liked the ideas that they brought forward of like this figure other than traditional Santa Claus, and I thought the kid was really good in it.
0: Yes, I agree. So, I have to ask you, and I hope this doesn't sound judgmental, but not liking subtitled movies, and I I hear that a lot, and I get it. Is it just the actual act of having to read when you're watching a movie?
1: It feels like a lot of work, and usually... And like part of the reason I don't watch a lot of these movies that you end up bringing to me that I end up really liking is because they seem like a lot of work, and that's like the last thing I'm looking for when I'm going to sit down and watch a movie.
0: I get that, but I also think that when you're watching one of my movies, which is one every four weeks. Yes. I feel like sometimes maybe I do go to some movies go- with the idea of like, this one's gonna be work and I'm gonna put in the work. <laughs> I don't think this is one of those because this I feel is like such a light and fun and quick movie mm-hmm. that it doesn't feel like work to me. But I am a little worried that this feels like work because ooh, I, got some, I got some work for you in the future. <laughs>
1: okay, well, I like... said I I did end up really liking it that was just one part of it that I kind of wish hadn't been there
0: so if it were the exact same movie but in English you feel like you would enjoy it a little better
1: yes absolutely I think that that is one thing that might have bumped it up to like an eight or a nine for me okay
0: maybe it's just because I I grew up watching a lot of subtitled movies so maybe it just seems more natural perhaps maybe yeah Aside from the subtitles, was there anything else that you didn't care for in this movie?
1: The butchering. It was hard to watch when he was, like, hacking away. Was it a pig?
0: I think he does butcher a pig at one point, yes.
1: Yes, that was hard. I did not enjoy that.
0: But, like, the violence with the people wasn't bothersome.
1: Not as much.
0: There isn't really much in there. No,
1: like, I wouldn't classify this as an especially violent movie. I just have never enjoyed thinking about where my food comes from (laughs) right? and that it was once like the body of a pig um so i think that that's just personal preference i would rather not see somebody hack apart a pig but um the i wouldn't call this movie really violent much at all
0: no i think the the most gore or violence we get is when a butcher is doing his job
1: yeah exactly did any of this when you first watched it did you think anything was like too much or did you just love this movie straight off
0: not too much as in like gross or violent or anything like that the only issues i had is it's it's a low budget movie and sometimes the cg doesn't quite hold up Mm. but i think they know that and they do a very good job of using it sparingly and Mm -hmm. when they do the director and cinematographer are talented enough that they kind of get around it for the most part. But there are a right. few shots where I'm like, yeah, that doesn't look great, but it's such a small thing. It never pulls me out of the movie. No,
1: it's not like a CG elf. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just in the middle of a scene. Or a very tiny buxom woman. <laughs> like
0: in Santa Stole Our Dog. Yes. <laughs> Terrible movie. Well, then what are some of the things you enjoyed about this movie?
1: Um, I liked... That this movie had, like, childhood friends in it. I enjoyed the relationship between the little boy and his friend. Um, And then I also kind of enjoyed the relationship between the dad and his friends. It was kind of parallel to what the the younger boys were doing as friends. Um, And then I also liked um, just how different it was. Um, from like a movie set in Canada with like the snowmobiles and the house and being way out there and the reindeer hunt and everything. I thought it was very cool um, that we got to see something so very different.
0: Oh good I'm glad you feel that way because I feel like one of the things we come back to a lot in the difference in movies is you tend to like movies that mirror your own life while I tend to like movies that are something that I'm not experienced with. Yes. But this one breaks through for you.
1: Yeah, I I liked that it looked different because one of my pet peeves of like winter movies, like Hallmark movies or like the Netflix holiday movie universe, they they tend to be like generic mountain village. Right. And it could be anywhere and it kind of looks the same every time. And it's like, oh, look, snow. And this was kind of neat because like the outdoors and the way that they lived outdoors seemed very authentic and very unique.
0: Yeah, and it's a part of the world where I think most North Americans don't see a lot of movies from there. Mm -hmm. I think I have, I I lived in Norway for a while and this might have come out when I was living in Norway. Maybe I saw it there, but I'm a little more familiar with that. And I think as are you, because we live quite far north in regards to most of the world yes yeah i think we live in the northernmost city with a million people
1: Hmm, cool yeah
0: but this is fact for you this is farther (laughs) much farther north than than we are Mm -hmm. and we don't uh go herding reindeer or anything
1: no but i do love i don't know if this is the same for you but mountains are always very like comforting to me
0: yeah, because it's something that we associate with vacation because yeah. we go and it's to the like mountains. It's special fully. and yeah. it's
1: fun. And my dad's family is from a town that is like literally nestled in the mountains. It's like a little bit like a Hallmark movie. And in the snow capped like mountains and the forest, and there's lots of like green trees and stuff. And that always felt very homey and comforting. So when you see that in a movie, I kind of, it kind of evokes those feelings in me.
0: So we we're saying that the setting of this is pretty unique, mm-hmm. but did you find the plot or the structure to um, to be very different, or did it still feel familiar to you?
1: It still felt pretty familiar to me.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of influence on this movie from films that we really know. Like the beginning of it seemed a lot like Jurassic Park, with the opening and... Uh, it has like a lot of really great economy of storytelling, but you have that eccentric millionaire who doesn't know the consequence of his of his actions. It has mm-hmm. to be set straight by innocent children, like very much like Jurassic Park. There's a lot of home alone in this movie, I felt.
1: Yeah, like he is... When you get
0: Pietri putting his rifle on his back like Kevin McAllister did and setting up traps and yeah, things like that. There's a lot of home for alone sure. in it. There's a lot of just kind of Spielberg kids' movies where there's a child in a kind of a a dangerous situation but their innocence ultimately wins out and parents never believe this kid who's ultimately going to be right at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. it seems like there's so much borrowed in this movie from lots of things that we know that even if we're not familiar with Puki, we are still (laughs) comfortable in this movie and I know I show you movies sometimes where it's very unnerving because it's such a different structure. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the case in this one.
1: No, it was definitely um, a movie where I didn't have to figure out the structure or figure out what they were trying to do. It, Like you said, it felt very much the same as other movies that we've watched. So that wasn't something that I struggled with.
0: And it kind of gets into those movies that we see a lot of now or in the last 10 years in uh, from Hollywood where it's a dark retelling of some classic fairy tale that we know. Mm-hmm. And I tend to hate those movies. But I also love this one. And I think it's how they approach that mm-hmm. is is very different. Because with a lot of those ones, do you know the type of movie I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head. But I think the reason that I felt the way that you did was because it wasn't like oh this is santa and santa our santa like the santa that we're familiar with in north america wasn't really featured at all in this movie right so we weren't kind of balancing good and evil in it it was kind of just this is who santa is here and everyone kind of accepts it and this is what we have to do to kind of overcome it
0: it's more building something new rather mm-hmm. than relying on something we know. Yeah,
1: so it's not like Santa versus Santa or like, oh, I wish good Santa was here. It's like, this is Santa.
0: <laughs> and I think that a lot of the movies that I'm talking about are your, was it called Through the Woods? Over the Woods? Into the Woods? Into the Woods, The Huntsman, all of these fairy yes. tales yeah. that are a little sexy and a little dark. Yes. I don't like them because they take the plot we're familiar with make it darker, and then tack on a very cliched, either romance or royal overthrowing plot that we are also familiar with. Mm -hmm. So it's more like mashing two things we know together. While this one does a much better job at it, because it's taking the things we know, and it's kind of relying on them but then turning it on its head as well right because it relies on all those santa things like cookies and elves Mm -hmm. and it uses that and then switches it up Mm -hmm. so it's not the way we're familiar with it so it gives you a little sense of uh, uncomfortability because they're making everything a little bit different Mm -hmm. but they're not doing it just to tack on a a completely different plot Mm -hmm. like i feel like a lot of those other types of movies do
1: yeah i want to read all those santa books that that kid had Oh
0: yeah, those looked so cool. It's such a uh, a Buffy sequence.
1: Yeah, where he's got like it's like a trail of books leading up to him, and yeah,
0: and the artwork in them looks amazing. It does. I wish publishers would make books, even if it's fake and made now, but to emulate what we think a a occultist book from the 1600s would look like. They should do more of that.
1: Those look like old spell books or like folklore and like books that you definitely can't get today.
0: Yeah, I was looking at some of the art which will be featured on our Instagram and such Mm -hmm. this week, but there's some really cool drawings in there.
1: Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, there was some very, very cool art in this. Um, And I definitely just wanted to sit on that kid's bedroom floor and just like thumb through all of these books. Yes. Because they looked very cool.
0: I think if I could single out one thing that makes this movie so successful in my mind, it's the tone of Mm -hmm. the movie. And it's really hard to describe because you can talk about a performance, but the overall tone is really hard to get across without just watching the movie. Mm -hmm. But it plays everything very straight for a long time. And it doesn't like make any sort of joke out of anything. But they also don't play into any horror themes. The characters in this don't act like they've seen a horror movie and respond to things like they were in that world. And I think it's really nice because it brings a lighter tone to it. They Mm -hmm. don't assume like, okay, these things happened. I've seen scary movies. So now we have to take these steps. Right. That kind of thing doesn't really come about in this one. They don't automatically assume that there's monsters. They don't automatically Mm. assume there's a serial killer. Yes.
1: And they're not like, what's going to happen next? It's very much like they're trying to live their normal lives.
0: Yeah, their biggest concern, is, or at least the adults, is that they're losing money. Mm-hmm. And that they won't be able to like feed their families this yes. year.
1: And um, you really feel that throughout the movie. And I like when the dads, I'm just going to call them the dads because yeah. I can't pronounce their names. Yeah,
0: the dads and the kids.
1: The dads and the kids. Uh, so when the dads realize that they could probably ransom this Santa Claus...
0: Oh, yeah, that's such a funny joke that they always go back to the 85,000 mm-hmm. plus 22% VAT. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a funny joke to me. And, I, and so many of the jokes are that kind of comedy. Like, there's nothing in this that you would typically call a joke. There's no jokes or gags in this movie.
1: No, but there's just I laugh funny a lot. Yeah. yeah. Some of the funny moments are definitely like moments where he's just being a kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're not going for any sort of farce or ridiculous situation. There's just a bunch of instances where you laugh because of of this ridiculous situation they're Mm -hmm. in and their deadpan deliveries to to the situation. Yeah. And like you were saying, it starts off being utterly realistic. It could be a drama. Like you don't know what type of movie it is by how it's unfolding and how it's shot and how they're playing it. But it gradually gets more and more ridiculous and then you have these elves coming in waves at you. And then you end up with a really truly absurd situation with them training the Santas to be shipped around the world.
1: Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. And such a good way to end a movie where they're like fighting evil
0: and I think there's a few like legitimate surprises like mm-hmm. that in this movie, because I'm sure that was a, a surprise to you, yes. that that's where the movie would go.
1: I didn't realize that they were going to start selling Santas. I didn't know what rare exports, like, what that, like, referred to?
0: Yeah. And it comes about so late.
1: hmm Like, it's right at the end.
0: So this is based on a series of shorts that the same director and writer made, and the short is about that. It doesn't have this whole other plot. Mm. It's about a company in northern Finland that exports Santas. That's what the shorts are about. And it's more about the training of the Santas. And when they got some money to make the feature, they realized like that can't be a full full length movie. No, you have to have some
1: like (laughs) pre-story.
0: Yeah. So everything before that is new for the feature. And that little end bit is what they've taken from the shorts.
1: Yeah. So it was a On the DVD that they had one of the shorts that you were watching?
0: Yeah, the Blu-ray release has both of the shorts on it.
1: Right. So I thought that was super cool. And it did look a lot like the feature movie, like the end of the feature movie. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the surprises are really effective in this one. Because this movie does rely on a lot of tropes, or maybe not even tropes, but just um, formats that we are familiar with. And so it's a really comfortable watch. And then when these surprises come, they don't like pull a sixth sense and pull the rug out from under you and it's not a surprise that comes out of nowhere but they're still really satisfying mm-hmm. like that one we talked about but what about when we find out that this figure that we have thought was santa claus the whole time is not santa but just an elf to a much larger santa-like figure yeah how did you feel about that one
1: um it kind of gave me one of those moments where i felt like the movie all of a sudden zoomed out. Does right. that make any sense? Yeah, you get to see, like, it's so... Um, it's so much bigger than you think. Yeah, it's a small scale. Yeah.
0: You're dealing with just these five people for the yeah. most part, and then you get this giant thing. Yeah. And, like, a whole world
1: revealed to you. Yeah, it, it felt a little bit like going into, like the foyer of a building and then realizing there's like 27 apartments behind it (laughs) like yeah it was like oh this building is very cool like this one room is really neat like this must be it and then you realize there's so much more to it and then you quickly get caught up to that with um all of the santa's elves or little helpers or whatever they called them and then you see santa in the block of ice with the horns and I think that was like a moment where it was like a twist.
0: I really like that reveal, because when you start seeing all of these elves, and I think they're referred to as elves.
1: Yes, I, I believe so.
0: When you think like, well, if an elf is six feet tall, how big must Santa be? And when you get to see him in the block of ice, I don't feel like that disappointed. I, I really like that no, that image. was Very cool. Do you feel disappointed in the movie that you never get to see Yulio Puki actually come out of the ice and like see him interact with this world?
1: So I was thinking about this yesterday, because I was I realized that um when I was thinking back and I just watched a trailer at work to kind of like refresh myself and I think that by not showing it, it leads you to that, like, almost childish imagination to imagine what he would have been like had he been in the movie. Like, I liked that they didn't put that in there. I
0: absolutely agree with you. In fact, I was ready to argue this point to you because in case you were like, <laughs> yeah, we should see him. That would have been cool. I'd be like, well, here's why I think it's better that they didn't. But I think you you said it perfectly. I
1: think it would have been cool to see him, to see – because it's always neat to see something like, a, like an idea – Of villain. I'm gonna make Santa a villain, but I think this Santa is a villain. villain. Um, But like you see, um, like the Grinch Christmas movie. I'm thinking Christmas villains. Um, Like the Grinch has been made over how many times? And you see him in every single movie, and it's always a slight adaptation. And I think that it would have been kind of cool to see evil Santa, but at the same time, you get to make up whatever you think is in your head, plus those giant horns.
0: Yeah, I love that they did show what they did. So mm-hmm. you get to see the ice, you get to see kind of an outline of him, and you get to see the horns. Mm-hmm. And then you try to, in your mind, combine that with those pictures that Pietri was looking at in, in his book. Yeah. And you can come up with something terrifying in your mind. Exactly. And I feel like whatever you came up with, it's going to be better than if we have a CG 20-foot goat santa stomping around and chasing Mm -hmm. these exactly
1: exactly because everybody also finds different things scary yeah right so i think the like subconscious in your brain is gonna make it scary for you
0: right and for horror movies i think the biggest trend that i don't like over the last 20 years but we're probably getting away from in the last five years is showing too much Mm -hmm. i loved 70s ghost stories because they wouldn't show things because they didn't have the technology to show them right and once people realized oh we can cg any sort of demon they started doing that all the time and everything you see is not as scary as not knowing what's there right and the the low budget filmmaker in me was also thankful that they didn't because this is a movie that was made for like less than two million dollars or it might have been less than two million Euro- euros mm-hmm. but either way it's a low budget movie and i don't think it would have looked good because it would have had to have been cg and it, i think it would have taken us out of the movie so that part of me was thankful they didn't and then the more i think about it i think just the the viewer part of me is also thankful that they didn't because it's such a great image him in the ice with the horns coming out yeah yeah And we already have this elf who we thought was Santa, and we were fine with him being Santa, so I don't feel like I should expect more if I already was happy with when I was thinking he was the villain.
1: I think that it made it scarier to realize that there was like 300 naked elf Santas waiting around the corner, and um, that they... I liked that they didn't kill them, like... They kind of harnessed this evil and made it profitable for them. It changed kind of the narrative.
0: And I think this movie is often called a horror movie, but I don't know that it is. Nobody dies. And a lot of places, if this were a typical horror movie, I think many of these people would have died. And they would have killed some of these Santa elves off as well. But that that never happens in this movie. How about when we do think that one elf is Santa... And he's naked in the butcher shop. How was all of that for you?
1: He was creepy. He was so creepy. Oh, he was so creepy. And um, that like wound that he had right. really made it like even creepier. That was really the goriest part of the movie.
0: Yeah. And his shoulders are kind of like out of alignment. So yeah. it looks like one is, I don't know, popped out of its socket or he's all just, just decrepit and... Thin and yeah. malnourished and dirty.
1: Everything about him just makes me uncomfortable.
0: And when his nostrils go when he smells gingerbread,
1: yes, that's both terrifying and funny. Like that's a funny
0: joke too. It though.
1: is a funny joke. Or when the when Pieri, is that his name? Pietri. Pietri. When he comes, anytime he comes around the Santa, pre-Santa, um, you kind of see him perk up.
0: Yeah, his nostrils will go. And then when he sees any child, you get that little flash in his eyes. Yeah.
1: And then he starts to stand up and like, it was very creepy.
0: I thought the most uncomfortable part of this whole movie is when the Santa is kind of kneeling and one of the dads is hitting him with a stick Mm -hmm. because first you're scared of like, This is some sort of demon. It's going to come out and eat you. But then when he hits him with a stick, I was like, oh, this poor old man. I know.
1: He was like, (laughs) he looked so frail. Yes. And like, like he was clinging to life. Mm -hmm. And it just, um, it did make me sad as well. I kind of forgot who he was to the story and then was like, oh, they shouldn't be hitting him. I feel like his bones are going to shatter. Yeah.
0: That was a funny scene too, because you have the one man who says, oh, I can speak English. And he comes in and his English is, is comedically bad. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's good. I'm sure the actor probably speaks great oh, English, but so. they're doing this funny bit where he's kind of talking like he's in, he's in an action movie. Right? Yes, and you can
1: tell that he has that, like, classic, like, like, movie trope of, like, I learned all my English from TV.
0: Yeah, because this <laughs> movie doesn't really get into a lot of tropes. Uh, formats yeah and it does borrow a lot from from other movies but i don't feel like it, it's really full in on tropes mm-hmm. but this character is so the only way he knows to uh, talk is like he's negotiating with hans gruber or something right? yes
1: and it definitely <laughs> makes sense that he would pick Like an action movie that he'd seen because this feels to him, I'm sure, very much like an action movie because they're like negotiating with rich guys and there's this threat and their lives are all at stake and all the children are gone. And it's like, yeah, this is action movie guy. So he puts on that voice and uses all those phrases and stuff. And it was it was a very funny moment.
0: I just like the actors in this movie a lot. I Mm -hmm. thought everyone was was very good.
1: Yes team dad was very charming
0: yeah i remember when i just put it on i imagine you were trying to figure out if this was from the 80s or if it was just Finland. doesn't everyone's hair and yeah. the, the children especially the
1: children especially it, it definitely and the snowmobiles and everything it looked older than it actually is
0: his friend i think his name's Yusu who has, like, that mullet, who's kind of like the bully kid. Oh, the mullet, yeah. And he looks like he's an extra from Lost Boys. He looks right out of that movie. Pietri himself. I think he's supposed to be kind of like like a nerdy kid or a loser or a weird kid or yeah. something like that. But his sweaters looked so much like they're from the 80s. And even the helmet he wears, all the hockey fans will know that Jofa helmet very well.
1: Oh, I was going to ask you about the helmet.
0: That is, it's a... Finnish 80s helmet uh-huh. like the Jofa is is famous oh, nice. like if anyone just says like the Jofa you know exactly what it is Wayne Gretzky <laughs> wore the Jofa for a while early in his career oh really they're like broomball helmets more than hockey helmets because it
1: looks kind of plasticky
0: yeah it's just thin. like a piece of plastic with some foam in the inside uh, yeah that's what helmets were then. I
1: know there were also like were times when nobody wore helmets so right
0: <laughs> yeah, all of the Finnish players who came over to the NHL, Swedish players as well, they would wear that helmet usually.
1: Huh. That's funny.
0: It was like Tommy Soderstrom out there.
1: Tommy Soderstrom? That's a joke
0: nobody will get. I'll cut it out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like there's one listener out there going.
0: <laughs> like I was saying before, I don't think this is a horror movie, but it's really hard to tell what kind of movie it is. Mm-hmm. It's a kid's movie in a lot of ways. And I think it's not because it's it's actually rated R, which I don't think is warranted because there's nothing really... But you do have a full frontal nudity of several old men as they run up a hill. Maybe that's what it's for.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, there was some moments where I was like, did they have to all be completely naked?
0: What would they be wearing? Just underwear?
1: It's like the zombies. They're wearing like tatters.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe.
1: Tatters is a genre of clothing, right? <laughs> I, I think it is. <laughs> Like ancient, old centuries, old tatters of clothing.
0: Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. I kind of like the fact that they were all naked and running through the snow. It makes it more like uncanny and kind of scary.
1: It does make it scary. Um, I think maybe the implied like violence. But if you look at
0: things that are on cable television i I think they're much worse than anything in this movie Mm -hmm. but either way it's rated r so you can't say it's a kid's movie but i think structurally and thematically a lot of the things that happen are most like that and this is from the perspective of the child more than anyone and it relies on all of those like kid things in a movie like early on his father pushes him aside and says, like, oh, like, look how we're doing, like, man stuff here. Right. And that seems to be Pietri's driving force is to, like, prove to his dad that he's he's a man. Right. right? So he, he can't use the gun properly. And his older friend makes fun of him for that. His dad says, oh, take off those goggles. You look ridiculous because he doesn't want to be embarrassed. And you kind of get the feeling that... The father's embarrassed of the son. Yeah. And the son knows that.
1: Yeah. And that was
0: really hard. Their
1: whole relationship at the beginning was, like, uncomfortable to me. Yeah. And it made me really sad for him. And then they kind of introduce the fact that his mom has died. Mm -hmm. And that you can see the dad is very deep in grief.
0: Yeah. And this is a very masculine world. Oh, yeah. And they've lost, like, the only sort of uh, femininity. Mm Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about that, but the relationship between the father and son is, is is very good. I think it's very well done. It's not a centerpiece of this movie, but when it's there, I really loved their interactions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it definitely, they did a good job of setting that up because at the beginning, they really make it seem like he just doesn't like his son. He's like, you're a wimp, you know, I don't want you interfering with my life.
0: Yeah, and later on in the movie, we have that one scene where he, I think it's Christmas Eve, he talks to his dad and said, would your life just be easier if I wasn't here? Yeah. If, would you be happy if I disappeared? Mm-hmm. And the father doesn't really reassure him. He just says, oh, you should disappear to bed. It's time to go to sleep.
1: Yeah. But
0: then you see him cry yeah. after that.
1: And that's the moment where you really realize just how like bogged down in grief he is. Yeah. And my view of their relationship started to change.
0: I I really loved that scene because I didn't necessarily take it as this is just like a hard reindeer herder guy who doesn't really have those emotions. It's a hard reindeer herder guy who doesn't know how to express these things Mm -hmm. or how to deal with these things. And
1: how to give his son what he needs. Because his son is still very young. Yeah. And could probably still use some of that like mothering coddling like
0: yeah and i'm sure the father has grown up in a world where that's the mom's job the woman's this is job, the yeah. Dad's job right? yeah
1: he definitely still needs like bedtime stories and hugs and all of the things that like a mom would give you and in this society he doesn't know how to like break that down and become like both the mom and the dad
0: no and his only attempt is to make those gingerbread cookies mm-hmm. right and you can see that that I do think that is an attempt for his son's sake. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is appreciated by the son because he's saying like, oh, it's just like mom used to make.
1: And they eat those cookies like all the way through the movie, which I loved. I loved that.
0: Yeah, because you could easily say like, oh, that's just a thing because Santa's attracted to the cookies, gingerbread's a Christmas thing. But it's also kind of a constant reminder of the loss of of the mother and this strange relationship between the father and son.
1: Yeah. And then I was happy to see that the relationship got better towards the end, Mm -hmm. especially when the child is like flying through the air on the helicopter. He really comes into his own at the end of the movie.
0: Let's (laughs) let's talk about that. So... it's not so subtle that he's uh, putting childish things aside and trying to be a man now in yeah. whatever that means to him because he actually leaves um, his little... I think it's a dog, the stuffed dog on a leash. Yeah. Vuppe, I think his name is yeah. And he leaves him behind... And so he's literally enacting that quote of putting childish things aside. Yeah. And he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. And he makes the plan. And ultimately, he says, like, okay, well, I'm going to sacrifice myself now. Tell my father what I did.
1: Yeah. That's so, like, it's brutal in a lot so of ways, right? So brutal. And, like, the he gets this, like, kind of leg up from the adults to make this plan because he still believes in some of those childish things like santa claus and he believes myths and he is able to kind of think ahead of like the adults who don't believe in any of that and think that like stories and myths and stuff like that are kind of childish so because he still believes he's able to think about it without having to in the moment overcome all of his like adult learning
0: that's really interesting yeah it's like the fact that he is childish is what prompts him to be able to grow Mm -hmm. up in his mind
1: and it sets him ahead in his like being able to plan this whole master beat santa claus plan and it um I think if it was an adult coming up with that plan, they first would have had to be like, okay, Santa is real. Right. Um, these are magical elves who come to protect evil Santa Claus. And by that point, Santa would have won because it would have taken them too long to like figure out all these like adult ideals versus myths and legends.
0: That's really interesting. And I like that a lot because... It kind of seemed on the surface that the only way he's able to grow up is leave the childish things. Yeah. But I like your viewing where it's, it's, is his childish innocence that's, that allows him to do those things. And mm-hmm. he doesn't have to abandon who he was. He's able to find some sort of middle ground of, yeah. uh, of still remaining himself, but, I don't know if impressing his father is the right word but uh, but take those steps into mm-hmm. what he thinks adulthood is
1: yes, exactly he becomes braver throughout the movie but he doesn't lose that child like mind that he mm-hmm. has and he still believes in what he believes in which I loved
0: is there anything about this cast that seems uh, that's different from every other movie we've watched?
1: Um, they are like real normal looking
0: there's that. <laughs> There's no women in this movie,
1: oh, yeah, you're right, not a single one you're right i didn't I didn't realize that when we were watching it, and I guess that is
0: not common, but there are movies like that, maybe war movies or sports movies, but usually there's like a love interest or something mm-hmm. but this one not a single one. I had heard that a flashback with a mother was shot but ultimately cut um, I'm not sure about that
1: in the i m d b Listing, oh okay, of cast, but we don't see her right? No, we don't see her, and even when you get
0: outside people like the sheriff and stuff, there's no there's no women there, yeah, and I think that is a a specific choice and I know there's a lot of movies that just don't care about women's stories, and that's uh definitely an issue, but I think the issue in this one is that this movie is about masculinity in a lot of ways,
1: for sure, and I like the way that they frame it like i've seen movies that are about masculinity and they do it badly and then it just feels very sexist and like over the top this felt like the masculinity was needed like those lessons of masculinity was needed because it is such a harsh climate that they live in at the beginning of the movie they're talking about how the wolves are going to eat him right so you kind of have to be manly and able to carry a gun and able to like provide for your family in like the most basic way possible like killing reindeer Mm -hmm. butchering pigs like you need to be able to do what needs to be done in order to keep your family alive
0: yeah and i think all of the things i said about pietri not feeling man enough it's not just a growing up thing but i think that's all wrapped up in the masculinity too Mm -hmm. right his older friends making fun of him his father is like literally pushing him aside for for these men who are like larger than life in Pietari's eyes, right? Yeah. And he just wants to be like them, but doesn't really have the tools and is just a, a different person. Yeah, right? for sure. And he's a child and he's so young too, right? And he is
1: so young. I I definitely you feel there's moments where he's kind of trying to force himself to grow up before he's ready, but at the same time he also has his toy dog on a leash.
0: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So on one side, he's the one who says like, hey, children are going missing. I know what to do. We have to find them. And then on the other side, he's talking to a toy dog all the time, right? Because yeah, he's he's a child. But I do think the the theme of masculinity is definitely interwoven with the themes of, of growing up in this.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it's good that we do get those small little insights into the father and that maybe he's not this completely stoic superman but he does have those feelings too but doesn't really know how to how to address them
1: yeah and i think that speaks to just how tough their life is like there is no time for him to be softer or kinder to his son
0: there are a few other little funny things i noticed in this movie like the story of how the Sami people eventually uh Captured Santa is the same as how they capture Santa, the Santa robot in Futurama. Really? The about melting him in a lake and then it freezing and then them digging it up and burying it. that happens in Futurama too. <laughs> I love those little bits of all of the sacks being stolen, but the potatoes being left behind. Yeah, I thought that was that really was funny. a funny moment. For and sure. then we get to see all the kids were in potato sacks. Yeah. Or the payoff when they mentioned all the radiators had been taken and his wife's hair dryer. Yeah. And that's not one where I think maybe it's just because I'd seen the movie that I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be for for thawing out the frozen Santa. Santa. But did you know where that was
1: going? No, no. And it was such a throwaway line yeah. that I didn't really think about it until it became very clear at the end. When they're thawing out Santa Claus. So I was like, it, it was such a throwaway line that I wasn't looking for it in the movie.
0: Yeah, that was a fun payoff. I like yeah. that one. I think the first time I saw it, I thought the radiators were being stolen so people would have to use the fireplace and open their chimneys so Santa could come down the chimney. Oh. I thought maybe they're going that way with it, but I like what they did yes. when the elves were thawing the Santa.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: We might be ready to wrap up our discussion of Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. So, Samantha, what are your uh, last thoughts on this movie?
1: Um, If you're looking for something other than Christmas dog movies, which, like, why? (laughs) Um, This is a really good change for if you're feeling over Christmas or Christmas out or just a little too jolly. Watch this because it's it's a very good movie and it'll make you feel um, differently than Christmas dog movies do. And I think it's a good thing. To feel like that sometimes. Does that make any sense?
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like I do you still feel like this is a Christmas movie?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think just so. a little different. And I love the way that they changed kind of the narrative around Santa Claus. And I think that like I know that's like just history changed that. Yeah. And it actually went the other way. It went from being scary to being jolly and the owner of many golden retriever puppies but i i think this is a movie that people should see and that um it's not going to make you super jolly but i think it'll make you think about christmas in a different way
0: i'm so glad that you liked it i always worry anytime i bring something foreign (laughs) so now i'm just the gates are open Uh oh so many subtitles so much work well, next will be more subtitles and harder things. Eventually, we're going to get to the point again where there'll be no subtitles because we'll be watching silent movies.
1: <laughs> okay. I'll,
0: maybe I'll give you some more time before we get there.
1: Thank you. Um, Indy, do you still love this movie? I
0: do. I don't think it's like a 10 out of 10 movie, but I I really think it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just like a throwaway word, but I think that is probably the best word for this movie. For sure. I think if you're a horror movie fan, you're going to like it because there's some spooky elements and you takes on things. If you're just a Christmas movie fan, you're going to like it because it's different. It's not going to be actually scary at any point. I don't think. Was it scary at any point?
1: I don't think so. No,
0: it's spooky perhaps. It's spooky. It seems like this could be a movie for kids to watch. Maybe not young young kids, But I think this is a good one to introduce some spooky elements that Mm -hmm. you're showing to kids.
1: I think a kid might find it scary. Right. But I think that's maybe a good gateway to scarier films.
0: Yeah. And I think that is a niche that there's not much of. Where there's a spooky movie, but it's not scary. It's not gory. There's not jump scares. Mm -hmm. It's not manipulative in any way. This is a grown-up kids movie. In the sense that it's the dynamics that you normally see in movies for children, but with some of these extra elements thrown in, a little mm-hmm. more subtext thrown in, and some spooky imagery thrown in as well.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So I think it's a it's a very good movie, maybe mm-hmm. not the most Christmassy, but I think not every movie needs to be full-out Christmas prints. While this one adds in lots of things that those types of movies don't, because it does get into... The more emotional core that we used to see sure. in older Christmas movies. For sure. It gets into that. But it, I think it's just a very well-constructed movie. And I, if you haven't seen it, this is probably weird that you listen to all of this. But the one thing I'd like to say to those people is <laughs> if you're worried about because it's a lower-budget finished movie that it's not going to look good, I think don't worry about that because I think this is actually a very good-looking movie.
1: It is. And I think that's partially because it's set in such a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And then also... It's not built up to be a movie that needs, you know, like, beautiful Hallmark coats and, you know, snow-lined boutiques and everything. Like, this is a movie that is very kind of raw and gritty, and the budget kind of lends itself to making it look very raw and gritty. Yeah,
0: and I think it's very beautiful, not in the sense of, like, that there is a beautiful architecture and costuming, but it's very accurate for that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. I think the cinematography on this is great.. No, for sure. I can't remember the name of the cinematographer, but they have gone on to do bigger things. Well, most of the, the people in this movie haven't done all that much because I think the, the Finnish film world is is not as big as the American or Japanese, but the cinematographer has gone on to do some other stuff. Well, Samantha, I think that wraps up our holiday Bonanza from our last four episodes. It's over. It is, but we still have uh, lots of time before Christmas, so we can just go watch a bunch more Christmas movies. Yes! Because I have a lot. (laughs) Okay,
1: Okay, well, we will see you next week when I introduce Indy to the next thing that we will be watching together.
0: And we'll have some more non-holiday things of the week as well.
1: Excellent. Um, you can find us on social media and see some of the cool artwork from this film at ILTYS and the number two on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at I Love This You Should Two Dash Podcast. And you can email us all of your thoughts, all of them, at I Love This You Should, and the number two at gmail.com. Have a very ho ho Merry Christmas.
0: Yeah, you can <laughs> I don't know how to say Merry Christmas in Finnish.
1: Aww.
0: Godjul is uh, Norwegian. That's close. There you right? go. That's close. All right. That works. Bye. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, everyone.